Have never heard of Fred Rogers. It's an old, old kid show that was on. It's Fred Rogers' Neighborhood. An amazing show. We're starting a new series this morning. And for the four, next four weeks, we're going to talk about neighbors. We're talking about the neighbors. See, in Luke 10, in Luke 10, and it says that uh, a, regil, a religious expert, but that would be like a rabbi back in the day, was talking to Jesus. And a religious expert would know the word. He would know the Old Testament cold. And he went up to Jesus and he said, Jesus, how do I obtain eternal life? And then Jesus looked at the uh, expert and he goes, what does the law say? What does the Bible say? And the uh, expert says this, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your spirit. But not only that, but you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about our neighbors. It's easy. It's super easy to love people. In fact, in Luke 6, it even says that. Hey, Jesus tells us, it's really easy to love those that are like you, that you hang around with, those you're familiar with. But what good is that? That's easy to do. I want you, I want you to love your neighbor, those people that are different from you. Many of us grew up in, you know, if you're like me, we grew up, in, of course, in a home, and we were, we were taught from our family of origin certain, we learned from our parents and our grandparents and our aunt and uncle certain, certain biases and prejudice, and it kind of filtered through the family. And we're going to talk about, for the next four weeks, that we're to literally love those that are not like us. And today's message is on, as you saw in your notes, it's on race and culture. We are so lucky to be, for you, those who, I've, I've lived in Hawaii now for 40 years. You know, I, I moved here and realized there's no upgrade. I'm staying. And I stayed. But many of you were, some of you were born here, and some of you are just hanging out here for a period of, a short period of time. I just need you to know, there is nowhere like Hawaii on this planet. Nowhere. We are the most remote uh, place on the earth, and we're also one of the most diverse places on the earth. Amazing cultures live here. And through the years that we've married one another, we have different cultures. I mean, most of us have in our, in our lineage are, are made up of many different cultures and many different backgrounds. The, I don't know if you know this, but they, they are the most beautiful people here. I look around the folks who grow up here and, and married, intermingled, just spectacular people, beautiful people. And that's just the way God made us to be. He wants us to be, he wants us to be united in our diversity. Are you hearing me? Because the, what, the, what the Lord says is, when it goes on to say to love your neighbor as yourself, if you do that, it says, if you do this, you will experience life. And what God's trying to tell us is, if you really want to experience all that God has for you, you must embrace and accept people who don't look like you, don't act like you, don't meet your certain needs. And I'm not just talking about racism. I'm talking about some of us, we, if a person's a certain size or a certain hair color or a certain job, a person's education, sometimes we have a built-in bias. And as we're going to learn this morning, those biases, we think less of them. And God would say, that's the furthest thing that I want my kids to do is think less of someone else. And we've been working on this sermon. Pastor Carl and the preaching team have been working on this sermon for quite some time, the sermon series for quite some time. And we were going to preach this message until we heard at the art conference one of the most dynamic, 
spectacular and powerful message we've ever heard on this one subject at the Art Conference in April, and it's by a pastor named Miles McPherson, the pastor of the Rock Church in San Diego. This, I need you to take notes, it's really important. What he's going to say will rock your world. Here's Miles McPherson. Wow, what an incredible, incredible uh, arc that we've had already, and the best is yet to come. Would you agree with that? And I want to, uh, it's my uh, privilege to introduce our guest speaker, but before we do, I want to honor Pastor Brian Houston in the house. We love you. We are so grateful for you being here. And, uh, Gang, I know that you know this, but in my opinion, this is the most influential pastor in the world today. And he's taught us how, given his culture, and, uh, and, and, he, and he's here, and in a session that he's not speaking in. And let me tell you something, that shows the heart that this man has. And thank you so much for being a part of what we're doing here. We love you. Um, I think all the, all the sessions are... Are, are important, but I think this might be the most important session uh, that we do in the conference here today. Um, as you know, our country is as racially polarized, politically divided as it's ever been. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to be a shining light and an example of healing in the land. Would you agree with that? Our guest speaker today is my friend, Miles McPherson. Uh, Miles is a part of the lead team here at the Ark. He also is the founding pastor of The Rock in San Diego. Uh, he's married 34 years uh, to his wife, Debbie, and uh, they have three kids and one grandkid. I think most of them are named Miles. Uh, I think his son's Miles, his grandson's Miles, so that makes it a lot easier uh, all the way around. But uh, uh, he played football for four, uh, well, he played football for a number of years, but for four years for the San Diego Chargers and uh, went through some drug addiction issues issues, found Jesus, uh, started the Rock Church in the year 2000, and uh, listen to this, guys. They have recorded over one million dedications of people's lives to Christ in, in that time. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Miles has written a new book. It's coming out September 11th. It's called The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. Uh, also, he, and, and you'll get, I, I think, a chapter of that uh, from us a little bit later. And then also, and this is what's exciting to me, is on September the 15th, they're going to have a simulcast uh, divine, uh, designed for churches from various ethnicities to sit down. They're going to guide us through it. Seacoast is going to do it. And uh, guide us through conversations that we need to be having uh, on race. And, and so um, I, I asked Miles, I, I said, Miles, you are the man with the message, you have the voice, and this is the right time. And uh, I believe that he's going to be one of the leaders, and already is, uh, for this issue in our country. So will you stand on your feet and welcome with me today my friend, Miles McPherson. Amen. My, my wife is also named Miles, by the way. My daughters are named Miles. They're my dogs named Miles. Um, how many of y'all, by show of hands, are not part of ARC? If you could raise your hand, just raise your hand up high. I'm going to give you two reasons why you need to join. Uh, Greg and Chris. Uh, and I'm dead serious. Um, I, I don't know who to start with. Chris, thank you for just being a good brother. And, and last night was life-changing. 
It was life-changing. I was reading, and when Elisha asked Elijah, he said, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, if you see me, take him to heaven. Uh, you'll get the double portion. I was wondering, what was that all about? And God said to me, he had to see what was possible. I wanted to show him a miracle. A lot of times we're asking if we don't know, we're asking for something we don't know what we're asking for. And when I come here, I get to see what God can do. And so thank you for being, not only what you've done, but who you are and what you say, speak to us. Can I get an amen? And I also want to, uh, Greg, thank you for opening this, this up. Greg called us into a meeting and said, listen, us white guys, we want to listen. Can y'all talk to us? That doesn't happen. Um, part of what I'm going to tell you is that that doesn't happen. We are not listened to. So thank you for the opportunity to be listened to. Uh, there's a Japanese art, uh, ancient art form called kitsugi. I was probably pronounced it wrong. And in kitsugi, they take pottery that was broken and they bring it back together. They, they reassemble the pottery with gold. And they take all the pieces and put the pottery back together. And the belief is that the uh, pottery that was repaired is more valuable than the original. <laughs> Satan has done an amazing job at splitting us apart. And by the way, Satan's the enemy. Not the white man, not the black man, not the poor, not the immigrant. Satan's the enemy. Can I get in there? And Satan has done a great job of, bringing, of, of dividing us through different kinds of racism, personally mediated racism, one to another, white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It's not a white, black thing only. It's all of us all around the world globally as well. Internalized racism where people start to internalize the message that they have been told. There are people who have been told that they're less than and now believe it and they hate themselves and their own culture internalized racism. You might not have heard of that. And then there's institutional racism. There's systems designed to keep people in place. The devil has done an amazing job of splitting us apart. But God, <laughs> God, God, Jesus has this thing about bringing broken pieces together. Can I get amen? He has this thing about making things that were ugly, beautiful, broken, fixed. And he can't do it and won't do it except through us. We are his vehicle. It has to be us, but we have to do something different. We have to move past the optics of diversity. You can have lots of colors and, and nationalities in your church and in your house, but they're not in your heart. They could be in your room, but they're not, you don't have a ministry. You can have a diverse crowd, but not a diverse ministry. So we want to move past churches ministering to neighborhoods where they feel comfortable and all the neighborhoods that God has given them. Don't drive around. I had a, I had a prayer meeting in San Diego years ago, and, and, and uh, it, I intentionally put it in the black community, and I had pastors driving there, and they said, we've never been to this part of the town. I said, so you're telling me you fly to Africa to minister to poor black people, but you won't go 10 minutes right down the street. Amen. We have to get past where God says, I'm going to call you to go wherever. And by the way, if you're a black church in the black community, are you going to the Hispanic community right down the street? Uh, if you're a Hispanic, are you going to the black church? It's all of us. Can I get amen? It's all of us. So we got to move past it. Let me give you some context of who I am and where I get this from. I have uh, two black uh, grandfathers from Jamaica. All my grandparents from Jamaica. I'm not going to do this, though. <laughs> I got 40 jobs, brother, 40 jobs. I, and, and I got... Uh, <laughs> Two, 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 both my grandmothers, all of my grandparents grew up in Jamaica. One grandmother was half Chinese, half black. The other grandmother was white. Her parents sent her from Jamaica with Cindy's. They didn't want her to marry a black Jamaican, so they sent her to Jamaica, New York, where she met a black Jamaican. <laughs> I grew up in a black neighborhood, went to school in a white neighborhood. Because of this tan color, 
I was too dark for the white people, so I got called all those names. I was too light for the black people, so I got called all those names. So that's why I'm learning Spanish. <laughs> and I am learning Spanish. I'm going to preach my first Spanish sermon on the 6th of May. My church is also as diverse as San Diego. My church is also diverse as San Diego. We are leaning into this. Two years ago, there was a shooting in San Diego. An uh, immigrant from Uganda was shot by a police officer. It was filmed. It was put on TV. For a week, our city did this. And for a week, the devil said, you have to pick one of each side. You have to be against the police or for the police, for the black community, against the black community. The devil gave you two options. In every race conversation, the devil's only going to give you two options. And in those two options, he's going to say, you're going to be on one side against the other, fighting the other, and you have to pick. There's a third option. <laughs> and that's what the book is about. There's a third option. In Joshua, and I'll read this real quick, in Joshua chapter 5, Joshua's leading the Jews into the promised land. It says in verse 13, it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes up and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword. And Joshua said to him, are you for us or our adversaries? <laughs> Angel, you have to pick a side. Are you on our side or this side? Angel said, uh-uh, homie, don't do that. I, I don't pick sides. I am the side. <laughs> So he said, he said, he said, are you for us or them? He said, no. He said, no, no, I ain't asked you that. Are you for us? He said, no. He said, if you bow down, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You bow down and worship. The only way you're going to get into the promised land, if you honor and worship the presence of God in your midst. This is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. Can I get amen? And so I want to talk to you about that because the third option is that we look at every single one of us. And by the way, save or not save people. People you don't like, people you have nothing in common with every single person. What do we have 100% in common? By the way, we're all 99.5% genetically the same. I'm not even talking about that. White, black, Asian, rich, poor, you're 99.9% genetically exactly the same, but you are 100% the same that God has given the same image to every single one of us. Amen. And the image of God has the responsibility to acknowledge itself in other people. Image of God has the ability to acknowledge itself in other people. The image of God has the ability to walk with God, love with God, like God, forgive like God, encourage like God, speak like God. We, we do God a disservice when we are racist or when we look down on people because we are looking at the image of God in someone else saying, your image is inferior to my image when that's not biblical at all. That every single image is the same value because God can't, God can't look down on himself. He's the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and he's the same there, 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 and every single one of us. And so I want to talk about how we got divided. Here's what I'm talking about. How we got divided and then how we can apply the third option to bring us back together. Sociologists call it, uh, call our division uh, grouping. In-group, out-group. Uh, grouping is the way we sort people into either like me or not like me. This is a group. Christians, ministers, senior pastors is a group. Uh, uh, mega church senior pastors is another group. Women are a group. Men are a group. Youth pastors are a group. We're all part of many groups. Football is a group. And when you are in part of a group, you are intimately involved and intimately knowledgeable about your group. Okay? If you're a senior pastor, you know senior pastor issues. If you're, if you're assistant pastor, you know assistant pastor issues. And so you, whatever group you're in, you understand uh, the intimacies of that group. Whatever group you're not in, that's called your out group. You don't know intimate information about that. That's why we make ignorant statements about people we don't know about. We, we, we say those people because we don't know and we're ignorant, so we shouldn't say anything. But, but that's the out group. 
but your in-group, you know all the intricacies of your in-group. There's a thing called in-group bias. In-group bias is your tendency to give preferential treatment to the people of your in-group. I want you to think with me right now. And by the way, uh, um, take this personal, but don't take it personal. Are you, do you follow what I'm saying? Let the Spirit of God minister to you. We got to think. We got to get past this. In-group bias is when you look at people who are like you, whether it be by profession, by race, by look, and you give them preferential treatment. Now, I'm going to give you a list of some things. They're going to go on the screen. I am more comfortable with those like me. I am more inclined to spend time socially with those like me. I am more patient with those like me. I give the benefit of the doubt quicker to those like me. I express more grace given when mistakes are made to those like me. It is easier to communicate with those like me. I assume I will get along easier with those like me. I am more willing to get out of, I go out of my way to help those like me. I possess more positive assumptions about those like me. Same minute, that makes sense. Hey, we're in Alabama. You got people coming. Got guy walks in the room. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, I play for the uh, for the football team. Oh, you all of a sudden be part of my in group. I'm gonna give you grace. Come on in. How can I give it? See, hey, date my daughter. Whatever you want to do, everything's cool. <laughs> y'all do that in Alabama. Y'all good. Out group is the opposite. There's out group discrimination. Out group discrimination is withholding in group bias against people. Why? Because they're not part of your group. I am less comfortable with those not like me. I am less inclined to spend time socially with those not like me. I am less patient with those not like me. I give, the, I, I give the benefit of the doubt slower to those not like me. I express less grace when mistakes are made by those not like me. It is more difficult to communicate with those not like me. I don't assume you will get along, I will get along with those not like me. I am less willing to go out of my way to help those not like me. I possess less positive assumptions about those like me. Listen, people say, well, I'm a racist, so I'm not a racist. You only got two choices. Here's your third choice. Your third choice is you're human, and you can work better at being unbiased. But you can say, you know what, maybe I do give a little preferential treatment to people who look like me better than people who don't because I feel more comfortable with them. That's fine. You may not have a, have a white sheet or whatever, or whatever form of racism your people, whatever your people are, express, all of us. But the outgrowth is if I walk into a room and someone's going to give me less patience and less grace, I don't care what you call it, it ain't good. <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> I had a lady come up to me, she said, and this, is, this story is in the book. I had a lady come up to me, she said, she, said, um, she said, why can't you just get over it? I said, I said here's what I want you to do. And I, and I created this thing called um, the uh, Walk in My Shoes Field Trip. <laughs> I said, this is a white lady, I said, and she's a dear friend. I love her, love her to death. She speaks, God speaks to her through me. Okay? You can not know these things and be a very nice person. But then you need to learn. <laughs> I said, why don't you go to a place where you are the only white person? Just for 10 minutes. Just try it. She's like, well, well, well. She did it. She did it. She did it. And I had, I had all these questions I want you to ask. I said, I want you to tell me how you felt when I asked you, how you felt when you were driving there, how you felt when you were there, how did people treat you, did, 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 did what you fear happen, did it happen, da, 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 da. And, and I wrote all this stuff down. And she, I, asked, I asked six people, by the way, and two of them said no. And one guy went on 10 minutes why he wouldn't go and actually, and actually had him write a paragraph to put in the book to tell why he didn't want. And he said, you know, if I, if I went to a black church, I would feel uncomfortable like I had to leave right away. That breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. 
And when, when, when people say, can't you get over it? I'm like, you have been living amidst your in-group. You flow in your in-group all day and night. You are getting preferential treatment over the out-group all day and night. So you don't understand what it means to have that not like me all, all, every day. I want you to flip the script in this room. Most of the people in this room are white. I want you to flip it. I want you to make sure, make believe that all the people who are in this room that are white are not white. And then all the people who are not white are white. Do y'all follow what I'm saying? And I wonder how many of you white people would come here. I wonder if you would have registered to come. Say, that, that's not my crowd. Why? We're here. We're, we're, we're walking in the midst of our group. <laughs> are y'all following what I'm saying? That, that you have to, you have to in your mind, uh, you have to in your mind think, why, what, how does that make me feel? Why does it make me feel that way? Because that's where God can work. Does that make you a racist? Absolutely not necessarily. It just means, hey, I got, that's something I can learn. You can go today and go someplace and say, listen, and don't think, don't go automatically to, I got to go to danger zone. <laughs> God put his image in all kinds of shades and they're wonderful people. And, and because it's an outgroup, you may only have anecdotal information. And so you generalize and you see stuff on TV and someone told you this, but you have no personal experience. That's where relationship, <laughs> Pastor Chris talked about touch. Hey, I'll be right here after. Come touch me. <laughs> Come touch me. <laughs> in, 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 um, uh, Stephen Jones, Dr. Stephen Jones in San Diego, he wrote this article called The Right Hand of Privilege. This country was designed for right-handed people, literally. Most people are right-handed. I'm left-handed. So because I'm left-handed, I got to go to, you know what I'm saying? Who's left-handed? Amen? Amen. Okay. So, so you can't just go get golf clubs. At any place, you gotta go. To, you gotta go to an extra store. You gotta, can't get get a mint when you're at school. It's right-handed desk, and you're like this. Are you following me? So you you gotta you gotta go through extra steps. I want you to imagine if your in-group just because made a right-handed culture, but you're left-handed, so you have to live in a right-handed culture. It's not it's not the same. And so you're walking in a right-handed culture, and because you're right-handed, everything, what's the problem? All the right-handed people go, I don't see the problem, I don't see the problem. Everything fits, I, get, I can buy everything. I, I, I don't know why. What are you talking about? What are you, what are you worried about? <laughs> and then someone comes left and says, I, I, I can't use that desk. I can't, I can't use that glove. I can't use those clubs. I can't, I can't find a store. I got to go on Amazon and order. Well, come here, God, it's too far. Four things I'm going to give you. Just to respect time, four things. Four things I want you to do. It, it, please put these down, write these down. Rename everybody you see as your brother and your sister. Why? Oh, oh. Listen, look, look what it says in, in, in Matthew chapter, the God hit me with this. Matthew chapter 22, 37. You shall love your Lord the God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Everyone say neighbor. First John 4.20, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, say brother, say sister. If you say you're a liar for he does not, how does he not love his brother, sister, say brother, sister, whom he has seen, but he can't, how can he love God who he has not seen? Now, the Bible says clearly you have to love your neighbor, your brother as yourself. Can I get an amen? Number one commandment, if you can't do that, everything else is nullified. But what if they're not your brother? What if you rename them? 
whoa, they're not like you. They're not, on, they're not like you. They're down here. When I used to watch, when I used to watch uh, Cowboys and Indian movies, they always called the Indians savages. They weren't people. They were down here. Blacks were called animals. Down here, I mean, when they had the thing in Charlottesville, they were saying that down here. So if you're not, if you call someone an N-word or a white privilege <laughs> or an illegal or an Arab or whatever you call people, as soon as you do that, you give yourself permission not to love them. Oh, that's right. Because you just changed the identification. So therefore, I, I need to be your brother. Because the devil is the enemy, not me. And you're my brother, and the devil's, you're, you're not my enemy, the devil is your enemy. Can I get an amen? Number two. Number two. Number two. Give in-group love to your out-group. Next time you're around people who don't look like you, and by the way, this applies to all kinds of stuff. It's just the Bible. Next time, all kinds. <laughs> Next time you're in a place and you see someone that's not like you, and by the way, they may be the only one not like you in the whole room. Think about the illustration about the ARC conference. If you were the only white person in this room. They had two guys arrested in Starbucks here. I'm sure you saw it. I don't need to go into the whole thing, but next time you go to Starbucks, listen, I don't know about Starbucks. The lady who called the cops. The owner came down. He spent three days. God bless that dude for coming down and did the Philly and deal with it. God bless him. He got caught in the middle. He's now taking the brunt from some lady who called the cops because two brothers are sitting there waiting for a dude. Right? Next time you're in a situation, whatever the situation is, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, you may be the majority, minority and there's a one white person, one Hispanic person, give them the same grace that you give your people. Wow. Think about that. Number three. <laughs> See my color. Stop saying you don't see color. <laughs> hey, hey, when you go out and get a tan, I go to Hawaii every year, I get a tan. Yes, we tan. I get a tan in Hawaii, and it looks really good. I go to tan, and, and I want you ladies, you get a tan, you're dating a guy, you want to date a guy, you get a tan, and you come to work, you spend five days in Hawaii getting your brown on, and then you come with your little spaghetti strap, and you're walking around work saying, see my brown, see my brown, and for five days, the dude you're trying to get attention to says nothing about your tan. And you're like, is there, do you not see my tan? And he says to you, I don't see color. That ain't happening. <laughs> when you get a tan in Hawaii, it's beautiful. When you get a tan in the womb, it's criminalized. <laughs> when you get a tan in the womb, it's scary. It's inferior. I am not saying that all y'all think that. I'm saying this is the difference. When you say you don't see color, you are nullifying not only the color, but the burden that comes with the color. You're, you're nullifying the experience of being in the out group. And so if you, if you say, and when, people, when the first people said it to me, they said, I don't see your color. I was like, I, I really thought they didn't see red, green, brown. I was like, this, that's so sad. Everything's gray. I, I, I don't get it. I didn't understand. And they were like, no, 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 no. I, I don't see your color. And I was like, well, well, how do you know even to say that to me if you don't see it? <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm confused. So then I said, well, what color am I? I mean, am I, did you make me like you? I want to be like me. 
and I want you to be like you. I was watching Sanford and Son, Sanford and Son. <laughs> Y'all know Sanford and Son? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> How many of y'all don't know Sanford and Son? You're probably young. You don't know Sanford. Okay, Sanford and Son, I want you. How, I don't know how you could be old, 30 years old, not know who Fred G. Sanford is. <laughs> Fred G. Sanford. I just want you. Oh, okay, so Red Fox was a comedian, African American comedian, and he was raunchy, and he was he was just hilarious. But he had a show that was on TV, so it was relatively clean, and he was a junk man in South Central Los Angeles. And there were two cops always came to the house. One cop was black, one cop was white. And, and, and the black cop had to always interpret to the white cop what Fred was saying. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's great. It's hilarious. And the white cop was very formal and he would talk straight and, and he would say, uh, so someone robbed Fred G. Sanford's house. And he said, um, uh, Fred, Mr. Sanford, was the perpetrator colored? And he goes, yeah, he was colored white. The devil says, you have two options, white people and people of color. God says, no, no, no. I made all y'all colored. And I made all y'all colored to be beautiful. Everyone say, I am beautiful. End of story. You white people are beautiful. You black people are beautiful. You brown people are beautiful. Everyone's beautiful. That's it. Fourthly. Give me your heart. And that when I say me, let's give each other our heart. Um, Rod Carew is a Panamanian baseball player. He's older, so a lot of y'all might not know him, but um, he was Panamanian. If you saw him on the street, you'd think he was black, so he was black Panamanian. He had a 328 batting average, 3,000 hits, 18-time All-Star, rookie of the year. He was the man. He was the man. And I grew up on Rod Carew. Uh, when he was 71, he had a heart attack, and he needed a heart and a kidney. At the time, there was a 27-year-old white tight end, NFL, played at Stanford, uh, named Conrad. And Conrad had, went into a coma. And Conrad, in the coma, his mother put her head on his chest, says, baby, you're going to get up one day. I'm going to hear your heart again. Well, Conrad died. And right before Conrad died, he gave his body, his organs to be donated. And Rod Carew got his heart. So Rod Carew calls Conrad's mother. Conrad's mother calls Rod Carew. You have my son's heart. Rod Carew says, do you want to come listen to your son's heart? He goes over the house. And she puts her chest on Rod Carew's chest. Here's her son's heart again. When Conrad was 11 years old, he met Rod Carew. And he came home and said, Mom, I'm going to be a professional athlete because I met my hero. How is it that a white man's heart can be in a Panamanian black man if we're so different? That's not, I'm going to end with this story. Let me end with this story. There was a guy who was hunting in the woods and he saw this monster coming at him. And the monster was 100 yards away and he was trying to get a good shot. And it kept getting closer and closer. It was behind a tree, it was behind a rock, it was behind a tree, it was behind a rock. And he said, I can't, this thing's going to kill me, I got to shoot it, I got to shoot it. And next thing you know, the monster was right here. And then he realized it wasn't a monster. It was his brother. There's no monsters in here. 
There are people who do bad things. And by the way, they look all kinds of shades. Okay? But we're not monsters. And when I say we, we, God made us in his image so we can honor him, glorify him, love like him, encourage like him, speak life like him into himself and other people. And if we can understand and realize and see each other as his brothers and sisters and that we are all one family, then God can bring this broken, fractured nation back together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. We honor you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. I told you it was powerful. That was worth listening to. I hope you understand that. I want you to do something for me. Say, you're beautiful. Say it again. You are. And so is the person next to you. So is the person that's going to wait on you today. Your neighbor, your coworker that sits beside you, the complete stranger that you walk you walk opposite to today that you cross paths with they're beautiful God does not allow discrimination in his thinking he does not lie he does not allow bias and prejudice in his thinking especially with his kids we are called to be salt and light that means we are to change the world around us When it's said in the word, it says, you're to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Many of us think that means that we're to love everybody. That's an impossibility because there's people on this planet we'll never meet. My Bible professor in Bible college told me this, and I think it's really important. It's not everybody. It's anybody. It's anybody God puts in our path. We're to love them. We're to change their day. This morning, I hope you woke up. I hope you woke up this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know what you just said? I'm going to choose joy today. Did you choose joy today? Because joy is a choice. I hope you cho- you wake up every morning and you I choose joy today. Because when you choose joy, you are going to be so much more patient and tolerant with those not in your in-group. And you, I promise you, you're going to change the world. The Lord says this in Revelation. In Revelation, in the seventh chapter, it says this. After this, this is John writing. He wrote this in Revelation. He saw, he had a vision of what heaven was going to be like. And God used John to let us know what heaven's going to be like. And this is what it says. This is how he describes heaven. It says this. After all this, I saw a vast crowd, a great number, too great to count. And every nation and every tribe and every people and every language was standing at the throne before the Lord. See, in heaven, there is no black or white or Asian or Hispanic. There is no illegal or legal. There is none of that. And can I just encourage you this morning, when we talk about loving our neighbor, love those around us. Love those who God put in our place. We will literally change. And by the way, do we not live in the craziest time in the history of the United States? If you don't believe that, I'm here to tell you we are. It is crazy out there. And how is this going to change? How are we going to make, many of us, in my, my men's connect group, we talk about what's going to have to happen to make this right. And it's easy. We, God's children, are going to change the world. We're the, we're the hope of today. We're the hope of today because Jesus lives inside of me. Hearing me? Super important. Let's pray. Lord, 
we have come in this room this morning and I pray that we've come in this room ready to receive, Lord. And that we're, it's just not hearing a good message, not hearing a, an amazing communicator, Lord. It's way more than that, Lord. It's really about our lives changing, our hearts linking with your heart, Lord, this morning. And Lord, we didn't come here to hear a message. We came here to be changed by you. And so, Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room, Lord, all of us from different walks of life, Lord, it's just the natural condition that we have biases and prejudice. Lord, I pray that you would weed those out of our lives this morning. Allow us to love anyone that you put in our place, in our sight, Lord, anyone, no matter what. Not if they're in our in-group or our out-group, Lord, no, nothing. Let us change. If, if we are caught in the sin, the sin of prejudice and racism, Lord, I pray right now you'd come and take that out of us take it out of us, Lord. There's no place in our heart. We can't, your Holy Spirit and racism don't go together, Lord. That's a fact. So, Lord, I pray that you'd heal us this morning. Lord, and there, as I'm praying, Lord, there might be people in this room that have never come to know you, that are engripped. They're, they're, in, they're engulfed with prejudice and biases, Lord, because your Holy Spirit has not come and came, taken residence in their heart. They've never come to choose you as their Savior. And Folks, this morning at Anchor Church, I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never come to know Jesus and his saving grace and allowed the Holy Spirit to come and guide you and protect you, and lead you, change you, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now so I know who I'm praying with. Raise your hand right now. I see you in the back. I see you. I'm looking around the room. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand. If you don't know Jesus, raise your hand right now. I want to know who I'm praying with. If you're out in the courtyard in the family zone, God sees you. If you're watching us online this morning and you're wanting to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, pray with me right now. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for doing my thing, my way without you, Lord. I acknowledge that you are my creator and my Lord and my Savior and that you died on the cross for me, Lord, that you're real. And I'm confessing that right now, Lord. I believe that you're real, Lord. And I pray for these people that raise their hand and want to accept you as our Lord and Savior. Send your Holy Spirit in, Lord, to them right now. Allow them to experience you like never before. Lord, allow them to get to know you and love you, serve you all their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.